we, we have a wonderful chapter with a wonderful practice opportunity that we've just had. The chapter's title is called Subject-Object Problem. Um, and part of this chapter is built on a, um article or connected to an article that I wrote um, in the 1980s, a portion of which is in the introduction to uh, Joko's Everyday Zen book. Um, it's called Practice Working with Everything, and Joko brings, up, brings that up in this discussion as well, which is exactly what we've just had. Our practice was working with the computer not working the way we think it should. Subject, object. Is it something other than us? Or is there no subject, object? Or better yet, how do we live in a world of subject, object, no subject, no object? Um, Though we might even know we're not separate, or at least entertain the possibility that we're not separate, nevertheless, we always get caught in I, me, mine, not I, not me, yours, not yours, and all that builds on that. And that's what Jokos begin talking about in this chapter. Um, and if you want, I think uh, Mushin put the, um, the, the few paragraphs from my article uh, somewhere on the Zen Center's website. You could look at it, but you could also look at it in Jokos' first book in the introduction. Um, and Joko talks about this whole working with everything, because that's essentially um, the approach of practice. On one hand, she talks about where we work with the subject side. On the other hand, working with the ob- so-called object, so-called not-me side. And yet, in a sense, our practice has to, at the same moment, embrace both, both so-called subject and both so-called object, which are really just fictions. And what we have to do is see what is our practice call for right now. Better yet, don't say our practice. What is our life called for right now in order for us to embrace and be this life that we are? as opposed to some idea we have. Um, So that's what this is all about. And as Joko says, Zazen, or Zazening, or being this life that we are isn't difficult, except we don't want to do it. And We don't want to do it because we want to either hold on to subject, hold on to object, not in a conscious sense, but in a sense of how used to we are in believing that that's the truth 
of our life. Whether it's the truth of our life in so-called pain, suffering, in so-called what we don't like, or in so-called what we do like, um, whether it's in so-called objects or in so-called subjects. So, and all of these are, as we say in our practice principles, are our teachers. Teachers in the sense, not that they've got something outside to teach us, but in the sense that they are giving us the opportunity to be who we are, which we, because of, you could say, dualistic ways of thinking, are missing at that moment, are resisting at that moment. So, I don't want to say too much more since I've said too much and you all have read this chapter and you all have begun working with this, in a sense, in your life and in your practice. So let's, I'll just turn it over to whoever wants to start and we can explore it that way. Well, I'll just say that um, that uh, part of that article that you're talking about. Yes. Uh, the link to that is prairiezen.org forward slash class. And you can view that page of the introduction. C-L-A-S-S, class. prairiezen.org forward slash class. But if you just, if you have a copy of Joko's Everyday Zen, if you have an older edition, you'll open, if you open up the introduction, you'll see it's quoted there, because that's what, what's online is simply a, 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 a picture image of what's in, in the, that book. It's, and, and it's part of a larger article, but we don't, uh, the larger article isn't online. Um, it, it's somewhere in my computer, uh, but it's in a computer that I, I, <laughs> I'm having difficulty accessing at this time. So it's somewhere in the virtual realms, and maybe one day I could put it online. But it doesn't make a difference at this point. You have we have this article of Joko's and our own practice to uh, clarify this matter. So what have, what have you discovered in reading this article of Joko's and in exploring it in your own daily practice? Can you hear us? Yes, if you I just heard you.
I was noticing it during the week about if I was having an emotional reaction, I could say, well, okay, then I, there's a subject in my object. But like I was saying just earlier today to Joyce, I go, but then if I just immerse myself in what I'm doing, I forget about all that stuff, and then I'm just doing that. Um, you know, um, but there's still, I, 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 it seems like there's still an, a, a person who's doing it. Yes. You know? There's not a person who's doing it until we start reflecting upon the person who's doing it or thinking about the person who's doing it. And that's okay, too. That's just thinking about the person who's doing it. In a way, this is what, at the very end of this chapter, in a way, Joko uh, sums this all up, where she says, there's only one true subject, which is nothing at all. And that could be called awareness, it could be called no subject, no object, but all of that, those words are inadequate. It isn't anything, as she says, quote, awareness isn't anything, and yet the whole universe exists through it. So, what you're saying, I think that's Faye who was speaking, um, is exactly the point. It's, you don't have to do anything extra. We don't have to do anything extra. And yet, we find that we do have to because otherwise we're getting in trouble as a result, call it as a result of habits or a result of something else. But truly, there's nothing special that's needed because it is this universe life that we are. And yet somehow we manage to miss it or complicate it. Or refuse to be where we are or what is. We are is the experience. We are experiencing. I won't even say the experience. I would say we are experiencing. So in a sense, um, there's a nice uh, phrase that I, I think I quoted, I don't remember when, some point in the, in the past couple months from Joshu. Non-stop flowing. Um, or moment, moment, non-stop flowing, but that's even extra. Yes, that's all we are. But those words make us sometimes think we know what it is. Those words are just pointers and reminders, but fine, experiencing, good. However, there's times we discover how much we refuse to be the experiencing. Right then, 
It's refusing to be the experiencing that's our intimacy practice moment. And there's some effort that's needed based on whatever the circumstances call for. Well, she talks about on, on page 85 in the, in the last paragraph, um, this is Lisa, she talks about um, anger and when anger arises um, to um, rather than try to kind of blot it out by concentrating on something else, like going back to our breath, um, she talks about becoming the anger itself without separation or rejection. And I find that, I find that difficult. Yes, it, it is difficult. It's difficult. Why is it difficult? What, what, what would you say? Why is it difficult? Well, I mean, I guess it's because I get lost in it. I mean, the other morning I had a, an experience in traffic that was, that was, you know, and I just, I completely lost it. Um, and so, I don't know, I guess in them, I mean, I was sort of aware that I was angry, but then it just kind of took over. Yes. And I was acting on it. Yes. It, yeah, it seems very difficult to feel an intense feeling, whether it's grief or whether it's anger, and and just you know and and, and just not have any separation from it, but not act on it, and so it's and you know and not and also not redirect by by, for instance, um, going back to the breath. So, so what you're saying is that when the anger arises, we very quickly believe it. And believe it in the sense that there's this thing that I'm angry at him or at her or at myself. And we, I don't mean just in, in, in a simple, um, uh, conceptual sense, but this whole body believes it. And the whole body acts it out and wants to do things based on that which creates trouble for us and for others Um, and so in one sense saying oh anger just comes and anger just goes and it's just experiencing it is easy to say but it's not easy to do because we aren't just experiencing anger coming, anger going. We are believing it. And therefore, this so-called extra effort of practice of what's skillful when I'm raging with the anger or I'm ready to punch someone or I've already punched someone, maybe just verbally by telling them or maybe just verbally, internally, by saying how terrible person they are and they always do this to me and it's all their fault and etc. What at that, whenever we notice that, whenever we sense it, and that's what practice does in a sense, it opens us enough 
to be able to sense when that's happening, as opposed to just getting caught in it and just entangling, entangling in it. But if we could sense it, then depending upon our abilities and capacities, what's the practice effort? In a way, you're right. Just drop it and then it just it's just gone. But that doesn't make sense to most of us most of the time when we're entangled in it, when we're all upset about it. So like she talks about experiencing it fully without without separation or rejection. She yes. It. Yes, but it, 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 that's easy to say and hard to do, or easy to say that I'm doing it, but not really doing it. Yeah, I think most of the time, if I think I'm doing it, I'm probably more likely just kind of numbing out. Yes. See, that's why, if if you go to the next page, where she talks about how, in a sense, it's a matter of the experiencing, in a sense, allowing this to just, of itself, drop away. Or as she says, our emotional reactions gradually wear themselves out, or they lose their power. Now, it, it doesn't mean, this isn't a global thing. In other words, it might be that you no longer get upset about what you were getting upset about several days ago, but it might be that you all of a sudden discover that now this other item is still up there for raging about or up there for being sad and overwhelmed and fearful about. Whatever appears is our opportunity because life keeps presenting it. Moment, moment, it keeps giving us the universe, and if there's anything that we stick to about it, if that we, in a sense, separate ourselves, whether it ourself inside or ourself outside, so to speak, right there we've got the opportunity. Right there we can't be shikan just this moment. Shikan taza means just this moment, uh, just this sitting. In a way, our practice is shikan, shikan koan, shikan experiencing, shikan this, but we refuse to do it. And the reason we refuse is because somewhere on this subject-object we hold are holding on, either on the subject side or on the object side, on the so-called inside side, so-called outside, so-called me or so-called not me. Right there is our practice. And there's various, in a way, the universe keeps offering us various ways to be this experiencing or resist this so-called experiencing and be entangled, separating ourselves. We don't have to do anything extra. And yet... There is something we can do when the universe life reveals that there's something to do. Is that awareness? You can say that's awareness. Of course, when we say the word, we shouldn't believe that that's it. The word is just a little, um, we just get a little piece of it, but you can call it that. 
our habit, unfortunately, is as soon as we say a word and we think we get it, then we turn it into a subject-object, a thing that I do. I do awareness. (laughs) But that's okay. We keep discovering this and keep, in a sense, forgetting it, forgetting ourself in this. Have you just talked in the last talk that you did on last Saturday? Uh, yes. It's a, but you explained it very clearly in that talk. Can you talk a little bit about that, <laughs> that talk? I, I, I can never talk about my talks. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're done, gone. You can listen to the talk. <laughs> so, what I mean is, you, in, in that, um, in that, uh, in that, how can I call this? Um, last Saturday, you talked about the uh, cost. Yes. And, and you, you explain about this stuff that we are talking about. Yes. Really clear about it. Uh, in in a way, all of our talks are the same, even though it's just different facets of this same fundamental matter. And all the talks are encouragement for us, because all of our, uh, our lives are really clear, except that we get a little bit fogged up. And whatever edge of this life that we pick up at this moment, right there is what we need to take care of. We don't have to worry about even get even any anything else before or after. It's this moment the universe is is, is awakening us. So if we just take care of being this moment, which is just being as we are, then that takes care of the universe. That's being awakened by the universe. And this just goes on moment, 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 moment. That's why whether it's Dogen saying, calling it ongoing uh, awakening, or whether it's Joshu saying non-stop flowing, or whether it's Gensha saying just one bright pearl, Different ways of revealing what we are. If you want to listen to an old talk, Mushin can uh, can, can tell everyone where they are, but they're all on the Zen Center's website somewhere and uh, easy to find. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. She knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I listen in. Good. And then that's why I, I think that it's it's very related that to what we are talking now. Mm-hmm. So, Kenya, this is Lynn, and if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, it's not that thinking is a bad thing. It's when we get snagged by thinking. So yes. in, a moment, in a moment there can be 
not just emotion, but intent can arise, and you can be aware of it. Um, uh, thoughts can arise, and uh, maybe that's a time where thoughts are productive, mm-hmm. but it's being snagged in the flow. Is that... Am I on target with that? That's one way of saying it. I mean, thought, sensation, in, in the traditional way we talk about it, in the, in, that the Heart Sutra talks about it, the five skandhas, thought, sensation, conception, I mean, form, sensation, conception, discrimination, are just saying that all the different aspects of being human are just this, if I use a fancy word, this emptiness, this truth, of our life, which, you know, in this chapter, Joko uses the word awareness. Those are all our life, just as they are. And yet, we can, as you use the word snagged, or caught up, or in different ways entangled by it. And the entanglement is a, is a human habit. It's a grasping that we tend to do and the more we can uh, see what we're doing the more we can see what effort is needed and the efforts themselves are nothing but this awareness there's no problem when when we start practice and when we end practice and all the ways in between, we, we don't gain anything, and we're not lacking anything. And yet, we need to make our effort, because otherwise we cause trouble, so to speak, for ourselves and for others. So yes, we have this wonderful opportunity in all the ways that we function. In other words, the way we function individually. You, I, everyone has that is functioning perfectly in the way they are and there's all sorts of things we could do to what should I say improve various functions but they're all improvements of this fun, fundamental awareness universe that we are which doesn't lack anything and isn't going to get anything extra and yet we can cease harming and suffering Through, through our ongoing practice efforts, if I say it that way. Um, let, let, me, let me just quote something that Joko says on the top Um, of page 90. In um, here she's talking about, she says, there's always some value in practice that has dualistic characteristics. A certain amount of training and deconditioning goes on in any sitting practice. Until we have gone beyond that dualism, however, we cannot know any ultimate freedom. 
Now, going beyond doesn't mean going anywhere else. It's just that the dualism of itself, see, she doesn't say that, the dualism of itself, um, I'll say, becomes transparent and just another story that arises, passes, but is seen for what it always is. So she says, there's no ultimate freedom until there's just no one here. And no one here means no one there. And yet, all of us discover over and over that someone's here. And when someone's here, someone's there. Or when someone's there, that means there's someone here. So we discover, despite the fact that we were sure that no one's here, oh, but there's someone there, so there's someone here. And you see what she means by that, because that builds on what she's been talking about throughout this chapter. Um, It's interesting, I mean, because this builds up on what we talked about in previous weeks about hurt and being harmed or pain. And in this chapter, she uses pain more in the sense of suffering. Um, On the next page, on page 91, in the middle of the page, in the middle of the um, central paragraph, she says, Subject-object separation occurs because we're not willing to be the pain that we associate with the object. That's why we distance ourselves from it. And the object can be so-called internal and can be so-called external. It can be things that are occurring in this emotion, thought, life that we call me, or occurring in with events outside, or what people are saying or doing, or how it is. We, in the process of life, there's can arise pain and suffering from that, or dissatisfaction, or various other flavors of those. When those arise, our practice, our life, is experiencing that. But we don't want to. As she says, if we don't understand ourselves in relation to pain, we run from it when it appears, and we lose the great treasure of awareness with its direct experience, I would say direct experiencing life. So, up to a point, it's useful to sit with pain so that we can regain fuller awareness of our life as it is. And, truthfully, our life in all sorts of circumstances will offer us opportunities Sometimes they're just minor irritation, sometimes they're major grieving, and all sorts of variations in between. Not as something that we have to work through, but just in the process of life. That's the nature of life. That's why one of the character, three characteristics that the Buddha talks about is that there's dukkha. Dukkha meaning that life is inherently unsatisfying, no, unsatisfactory, or you could say suffering, in the sense that 
not that there's some sort of punishment or anything, but that as long as we want it to be a certain way, it, because it's always changing, it's not going to be that way some of the time. And as long as we hold on to the subject-object, as long as there's awareness that we run from, it's going to cause us trouble. Or we're going to cause ourselves trouble about how it is. Because we don't want to, to directly experience this. And it's for each of us to discover where and how it is for us in different circumstances. But I'm talking too much. So, what, what, what have you... To, to say about you, what you've discovered in this chapter. I, I think the point of subject... I'm sorry. That's your right. So it's my echo. Okay. I, I think that point of uh, sort of pressing into that subject-object distinction has been interesting for me. If in a moment like that, uh, usually it's not the moments where I'm pleased by something, or it's the moments when I'm not, if I can uh, back away from that notion of subject-object, and and uh, the phrase that comes to me is that not two things, not two. Mm-hmm. So, like, every experience is... is two things meeting, but not two things meeting. And so then you're left with sort of whatever the experience is. And uh, it's easier then to just kind of abide with it. But if if you're caught up in somebody having done something to you or separation from the experience, then it's then I find myself sort of spinning out a story. And I guess that's where I see myself getting snagged at times. But that moment of, uh, there's another phrase in Zen, uh, two arrows meeting in midair. So just whatever that experience is, um, no matter how it's come about, to just look at it for what it is, is is sometimes easier for me to open up to it. Mm -hmm. Good. And and if we take that two arrows meeting in midair, that's also an encouragement for us to, as our practice continues, we develop the ability to shoot the arrow that's called for so that the two arrows can meet in midair. And that takes great ability because we have to shoot the arrow almost without our thinking and planning about it, because as soon as we get, we try to do that, it's too late, because the other arrow's already shot, and we can't so hit it in midair, so to speak. So our life activity and action has to grow out of being able to shoot our arrow, so to speak, as soon as we have a sense that the other arrow is being shot. So it's not something we could 
plan, but it's more and more we get out of the way so that we can be the functioning of our life. Anyone else have anything to say on this chapter? I would encourage you to look at it again. Um, I, I, I will mention that next week we won't have a class because I'll be out of town. Um, and the week after that is Sashin. So it won't be until the week after Sashin, which is... The 1st of June is the Thursday night, yes? Um, the 1st of June we'll have, our we'll have the next class, and at that point we'll have the chapter Integration, which is a nice chapter to go to. Um, and hopefully some of you will be able to um, partake in the session um, I encourage you, even if you can only do uh, an afternoon sitting, um, please try to join us somehow. And if you could do more, please come to that. Mushin is the one to speak to about that. Uh, so, um, consider yourself doing this session even at a distance. And if you're close by and participating a little or a lot or completely wonderful and continue working with what we're reading here in, in Joko's book and in our own practice and in our discussions so that uh, we can be the, this life that we are. Thank you. 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 Thank you.